This is the 4J Super Insights Podcast, featuring conversation with Eugene School District 4J Superintendent, Dr. Andy Dye. Hello, everybody. This is Andy Dye, Superintendent, Eugene School District 4J. Welcome to the Super Insights Podcast. I have Carrie Frazee with me here today. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Today, we're here to talk about some of the work that you do. First question that I have is, what do you want people to know about the Office of Student Wellbeing? Well, the Office of Student Wellbeing is brand new. So I think that's a place to start. Can I go into a little history? Please. Yeah. So it stemmed from a lot of work that was being done with student safety, student well-being, and seeing the needs that students were presenting. And last year, the um, district decided to create a new department called Prevention Services. And with that new area, also came a, um, an administrator over it. And when I saw that, I was actually working outside of Eugene School District 4J in prevention science. And I was so excited for the opportunity to be able to provide prevention services and support for students that I applied and moved over. So last year was my first year in the school district. It was also the first year of prevention services in the school district. And I want to be a little bit more specific. So when I say prevention services, I'm speaking mostly to prevention of high-risk behaviors. And so that's suicide prevention, problematic sexual behavior, prevention of substance misuse and abuse. And within that area, we also do prevention. We check in with students when something's not going well. Then we also provide support and care and advocacy um, to help student outcomes. So that was a brand new unit last year. What's exciting now is that we have this new unit of 4J Student Wellbeing, an Office of Student Wellbeing, where we're doing more than prevention services. We're also able to provide more consistent counseling supports, care and advocacy, and have our health curriculum also tied into our holistic approach to supporting students. So that's a little bit about 4J Student Wellbeing. Sounds like there is at least a renewed, if not really new focus on the prevention aspect of student well-being. Talk to me, if you wouldn't mind, or, or share with folks how you would distinguish the prevention side of what it is that your shop attends to and the response side of what yeah. you do. Oh, that's a great question. So within prevention, and I want to actually step back and say the efforts that I just spoke to existed in the district before. So counseling, health education, um, advocacy and support and prevention existed in 4J. What's new is the approach and bringing them together and serving our students holistically. So to differentiate prevention and response, some of the pieces around prevention is how it's infused into education, how it's infused into our practices of identifying problem behaviors and sometimes calling them out, sometimes reporting them, sometimes checking in with a student when we notice um, harmful behaviors. But so that's the prevention. We are creating a system of education and an opportunity for what we call intervention, kind of checking in with the student and leading them towards healthier outcomes. When it comes to response, though, this is where we have a new unit called care and advocacy. We have more dedicated focus on mental health response and supporting students when they're navigating challenging times. And so that could be a variety of issues. And if parents are listening, they know that mental health has been a challenge um, nationally, but also locally. So knowing that there are folks who are 
new employees to the district that are dedicated to providing support around mental health for their students is the response side and what we call the care and advocacy side for for this unit of well-being. So it sounds like you've taken some of the more distinct elements of what we had in place around prevention to some degree and response to some degree and tried to integrate those mm-hmm. so that we have a more systematic approach to student well-being. Other than this podcast, which might be hard to follow for people who are just listening, how do students and or families access the services that the district is providing? There are a lot of points of entry. There's lots of ways to access the support services. To start at a kind of a bigger scale, we have all of those resources available on our website. And so if someone's navigating our website, types in mental health, they'll get a website that has a lot of our connections to mental health and support. In the building, though, the students are going to they're going to connect with the people they know. So they might start with their teacher or a counselor, um, a school psychologist. They, they'll go to someone in the building for support. And so the way that that looks different for students is that they might go to their counselor and talk about something that's going on. And counselors can then be prepared to connect them to ongoing services, either in their school, but also in the community. So our students are accessing that in their school setting. It definitely sounds like the schools are, and your department in particular, taking seriously the need to have a robust, responsive, thoughtful approach to student well-being. But that's not just a school issue. We as a school district are nested in the context of a community, Mm -hmm. and there's a limit to the services that we can reasonably provide given the type of staff that we hire. Can you talk a little bit about the connections that we have with community agencies and the role that the school might play in connecting students and families with services that they need beyond the walls of the school? Sure. Yeah, I, I actually did the math. I looked at how how long students are in school. And a student on average is in school 13% of their year. And so when we think about that, they're sleeping more than they're in school. They're at home and they're in the community more than they're at the building where they could be receiving educational and all types of support. And so connecting with the community has been critical Um, We have several relationships with community mental health providers who will come to the schools to to provide support. Uh, We also have um, we we contract through an organization called Care Solace, where if a family is sitting at their home and they're wanting to find a community therapist, they can find that on their own through their website. And so there are some navigators that help our families get connected in the community And we partner a lot with educational opportunities as well. I'm thinking about some of the faculty at the University of Oregon who have come and done trainings for our parents and for our students. So there's opportunities for us to think outside of the school building on receiving mental health support and educational opportunities as well. One of the things that I recall hearing from parents, from teachers, administrators, um, but most importantly from students at board meetings and emails that we receive is that uh, it seemed there was difficulty in them actually accessing or knowing about the things that were available to them. Can you talk a little bit about what we've done in response to making things more visible for students on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, well, we're hoping that when students are walking through their buildings, that the new signage that we've been making is is apparent. So students can go through, they can see what is available on on site. We're working on the platforms that students use so that they can see what is available for them in their school. But we're also working on one of your big rocks about communication and having clear, consistent communication about 
what services are available in the school year. And parents should be expecting to see that this year in the newsletters, but then also in the school building um, so that students students know when they when they go to meet with this person, what kind, what kind of support can I receive from them? Are there any plans in the works to periodically throughout the year check in with students in some way to see whether or not our efforts are paying off? I love working with students and the student feedback, the student voice is one of my favorite, favorite sources of information. Um, yes, there are plans to be connected with student boards and with the students in schools. There's also a lot of efforts happening within some of the initiatives we have in the schools to have systematic opportunities for feedback on on ways we can improve. And our students are our number one purpose, our number one goal, and we need to be catering all of our efforts towards um, towards what they're saying that they need. Let's talk for a minute about a, a difficult topic that has impacted many school communities in the Eugene area, student suicide. Uh, we know that it's something that we have to attend to in a variety of ways. We know it's something that we unfortunately have had to respond to. Can you talk a bit about the work that you've done mm. with the Jed Foundation and um, what you want parents to know about what we're doing at an institution level Yep. Um, in, in regards to suicide prevention and postvention? Suicide is one of those topics that hits us all in different ways and likely because of experiences that we've had with either our own thoughts or potentially losing someone or having those hard conversations with loved ones about loss. And it's a topic that I'll just say is really close and dear to my heart and something that we're working on at a, in a personal human way, but also in a strategic planning way. For those who have lost loved ones to suicide, I just wanted to share a, an appreciation for you and you're seen and you're not alone. Some of the work that we do in prevention is is really destigmatizing the conversations around suicide, destigmatizing the conversations around mental health, and um, knowing it's okay to say that I'm not okay. And when you when you say that, we have supports for you. And so this is a, a national issue. There's been a lot of work moving towards instead of calling nine one one, you can call nine eight eight, call or text, um, and that's a crisis line to reach out to for support. But what I want families and whoever is listening to this podcast is um, is to pause and look around you, look at your loved ones and be open to listening. Be open to asking the questions, are you okay? And when those questions are asked, making space for the response you might hear and knowing that we have support options available. Those support options are on the mental health website I mentioned earlier. And they're also visible all around school properties so students can reach out for help. We've also partnered recently with the Jed Foundation, and this is a national organization that works in higher education settings and also in K-12 settings. And what they are doing is they're helping us build a, a long-term strategic plan starting in the high schools. That's where they've started, and it sounds like they're also expanding to other levels. But starting in the high schools, we've been, we're in our second year of implementation. So the first year is all about learning about the school culture, school climate, and really taking an assessment of all the things that the schools are already doing to prevent suicide and to promote mental health. And we just finished that first year, and it's been really heartening to see what is already in existence in all of the schools and ways that students' voices are being amplified and all the resources that are available to students. These next couple years will be taking really fine-tuning our strategic approach in each high school for suicide prevention and building systems of care in each high school. 
it's a partnership that's been so, so uh, exciting. And, um, and I think that the long-term effect of it will be not only informing our strategies for suicide prevention and response in our high schools, but also in our middles and elementary schools. Yeah, you, you have to start somewhere, right? And um, you just mentioned some of the things that folks can expect to see and hear more about in our high schools. And we know that mental health generally is not secluded to high school-aged mm-hmm. youth. What would you think that students and families of elementary and middle school kids can look forward to coming up over the course of the next year? I go back to stay tuned for opportunities to be connecting with your students. We also host parent nights. And so we host those parent nights in elementary schools, in middle schools, and in high schools. And one of the things that my team is working on right now is a calendar of opportunities for parents to engage in in learning and prevention opportunities at their own school and in their own region. So parents, stay tuned. Okay, last question. If listeners walk away with any one thing that you want them to remember about the Office of Student Wellbeing, what would that be? I would say we are going into this year filled with so much hope. And well-being is, it's an approach, it's a state of mind, it's your mental and physical self and the teams and not just the well-being team, but all of the folks who are surrounding your students this year are starting the year with a sense of hope. And our kids deserve that. And it's our goal to be able to provide that for them. And so I would, I would leave with that. I've said it before and I'll say it again. School is more than a series of classes. Uh, it's an overall experience. And thanks for your work and your team's work in helping make that experience be filled with positive factors and um, not just an attempt to avoid risk factors alone. Mm. So thanks a lot, Carrie. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is Andy Dye, Superintendent of Eugene School District 4J, and this is Super Insights. Take care. Mm.